The scripture reading this evening comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. And it reads, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. Pleasure to be with you again tonight. I want to thank uh, Danny for that prayer. I want to thank Daniel for that wonderful singing. And for Matthew for the uh, scripture reading. You know, I had all these pictures and all these things that I was going to have them put on the the um, projector up here. But since Dan, uh, Daniel led from the songbook, I'm just going to just do it like this. You believe me, right? I never do do that, do I? But Daniel said, we'll just use the book. And it's refreshing sometimes just to pick that book up. That's where all these songs come from anyway. So it was good to do that. Once again, it's good to be with you too tonight. A little update on Jim. Carol has been sending me pictures of um, all the places they've been, and only in my dreams have I seen such things. It's marvelous where they're at. I'm so thankful that they're able to go, and I think we're going to be enriched when he, I know we're going to be enriched when he gets home. Y'all, this is the last leg. Let's all pray that they have a safe journey home, that all goes well, and I know that this, the body of Christ here will be enriched over their going, and, and I'm just very excited about it to, to come, and, and when he gets here, to hear about it. Well, tonight, you know, the guys always want a title, so here's the title, Things to Know. That's what the title of this sermon is, Things to Know. You know, there's just some things in life we need to know, isn't there? Absolutely, there's things we need to know in life. You know, and I want to say this, and you know, in in, in modern times, we see different things. I, I went, me and Sherry went to uh, Grandparents' Day at the school Friday uh, with one of our granddaughters, and there was a sign, a big sign on the on the door going out, and it said, no bully zone. And, you know, when I was in school, the, they didn't have signs like that. It was prison rules when I went to school. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, it was a long time ago, and it was rough and tough, but today we're, we're more sensitive, and that's good. And uh, bullying is an issue in school. And they have signs that, that we won't tolerate here. No bullying. And uh, so there's things. But I want to talk about when I went to school for a minute. Things to know. Remember that. When I was in the first grade, uh, and, you know, th there wasn't a kindergarten in those days. You started in the first grade. And you had to be six years old when you started. And so, you know, kids start about a year earlier in the first grade. And they start a lot earlier in school these days. And a lot of kids can read and write when they start school, and I couldn't do either one of those. And I remember that, and, and I don't think I was lagging behind anyone else. I thought, you know, everybody's kind of that way. And looking back, I think it was wonderful. Today, I'm just bringing that, the no bullying thing up today because if teachers acted that way today, we'd go, hmm. But I had a, I had a, a first-grade teacher and she was an older, seasoned woman, very seasoned. I went to school in Bullard, the first, second, and third grade, a little town down the road. And she was a very seasoned, experienced teacher. And I was having problems with the word, anything with a TH. The, those, they, them, you know, that type of thing. And, 
you know, and I was scratching my head, and, you know, well, I'll, I'll get it down the road. And she said, and I remember she kind of pulled me to the side, and, and she said, I want you to know these words by Monday. And I, she probably saw it in my face like, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. And she said, and if it doesn't, and if you don't know them by Monday, there's going to be some punishment, and it's going to be of the corporal nature. Well, I understood that. I understood that fully. And it motivated me. And I want you to know there is motivation in fear, isn't there? There's motivation. You can say, well, that, I've, I've told that story a time or two in my life. People say, that mean old woman. No, she knew exactly who she was dealing with. That's what I needed to hear. You better have these four or five words down when you come back Monday or it's going to be a plyboard paddle for you. And I got them down. And, you know, for me to study over the weekend was a, was a sight. You know, it didn't happen that much. But she thought it was something. She thought it was something that I needed to know, and I need to know it right then. And it had punishment attached to it if I didn't. Well, as we grow a little older in school, we take tests, don't we? And what does a test indicate? How much you know, how much you've studied, and how much you've listened. And you get a passing or a failing grade or somewhere in between on that. And so we're very familiar with tests that we are tested. And uh, all you guys in school that are in school, aren't every one of you tested? And all you got to do is like this, because you don't even have to say that. I know you are. You're tested in school. Driving. Uh, once again, you know, uh, in my lifetime, people learn to drive early in life. 12, 13 years old, most boys and girls in the country could drive, a lot of them. But today it's a little more clinical than that, it seems like. The children are taught to, uh, first of all, they may get a little driving in with their parents, but for the most part, they take a test. And uh, driving test, they go through a course. They, uh, they go through a course, and then they're given a written test. And once they pass that, then there's an application part to it, isn't there? And you have to go, and you, I guess that's still that way. You have to drive. You young girls, do you have, still have to drive for the policeman, and he, he lets you know one way or another? Yeah. And uh, I remember, now this was just 10 or 15 years ago. You know, about when you're an adult, about every 10 years, your driver's license has to be renewed. And what a mess to have to go up there and stand in line to do that. But as I was pulling in the place, I saw a, 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 a DPS officer talking to this young girl. And he had his clipboard in his hand, and he was checking the tires and the inspection sticker. And they're fixing to go and apply what she's learned in driving tests. And that was when I went in the place I saw that. And I got, I got my picture retaken and renewed, and I came back out. And him and her were in her car, and they were sitting right in the middle of the Rose Garden. She had jumped the curb and put the, her car, it, and it was a Texas, the state of Texas, all in roses, and her car was right in the middle of it. And he was shaking his head like this. And he looked scared, too. She didn't do well on the application part of that, okay? And then, and this will be the last example I'll use, and I'm going to make a point with it, a biblical point vocational jobs, white-collar jobs, blue-collar jobs. I talked to my kids today, and they affirm what I'm saying. Everybody, just about everybody that has a job, you have to take continuing education with that job. I always had to, too. And, uh, you know, I asked my son-in-law, he said, I've got to have 50 hours every two years of continuing education. 
and uh, I think my daughter said 150 hours over five years. And, you know, your jobs, you know what I'm talking about, because everybody has to have that. It doesn't really matter what you do. Uh, you have to continually educate yourself, and generally that requires a test of some sort to where you can see how you've done. And plus there's new things that come up in jobs, you know, in, in, uh, in the medical field, in just about any field, new things that you need to be aware of that are going on. So we're very familiar with that, aren't we? And we get this. Well, there's things we need to know in the Bible. As Christians, there's just things we need to know. And it starts off in, in, in uh, the very first thing that... Uh, very first knowledge that would generally we come to. I go to our classes. I, we, me and Teresa, we talk about the material we're going to order for. We, we're aware of what's going on. But generally classes, and, and if you don't know the Bible very well, I would tell you to start there. Start in Genesis because it, that's, that's something you need to know. It, it tells the, the first story in the Bible how that God is the creator and he created all things within six days. Everything that was created was created within a six-day period. And he put man in a garden, and he told him to prosper. With one prohibition, there was one prohibition in that garden, don't eat of that, of that tree. Because if you eat of that tree, you'll die. They were geared up to live and to live in a garden that was prepared for them, and they could have lived there forever. That's hard for us to conceive, but things were different. But we know what happened, don't we? They, uh, they violated this prohibition, and the punishment came about. And, it, and the punishment was being driven from that place and physical death. And we've suffered it ever since, haven't we? We're all going to die, aren't we? We know that. And that was, that was the lesson from then on, that we would die. And uh, they learned something out of that lesson, too. It's a shame they didn't learn it on the front end, but they certainly learned it on the back end. And that was to fear God. And to respect his commandments because God did just exactly. He meant what he said and he did just what he, he said he would do. And they were punished. And they were punished with physical death. And so with this in mind, we believe what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 5.12. He says, therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all men do what? They sin. All of us sin. And that same, you know, the, there's a debate about original sin, that you were born in sin. And if you really want to get to the bottom of that debate, no, you weren't. You weren't born a sinner, but you got after it as soon as you could. We all do, don't we? That's the, that's the fallacy of being a man like us, that we all have sinned. And so Paul was right on there. So one of the first realizations we learn in life is sooner or later, we're going to die. Even the youngest of us come to that fact, don't we? There's no one to see. When you're young, you may think, well, that's a million years from now. Well, it's not. But anyway, no one would argue the point, logically, that you don't die because we die, don't we? The Hebrew writer in 927 says, is appointed unto man to die once, and after that, he's going to be judged. So when you look back and say, well, when man sinned, he was driven out, and when he and he died. So it was exactly what God said. Well, this is another one of God's words, that we're all going to make the appointment that we're going to die once, and then we're going to be judged. Dying is something everyone in the world understands, things to know. Everyone knows this, don't we? Judgment, that's the other half of that. Let's talk about that a moment. 
The other half of this statement is what people, this is what people get fuzzy about. They don't get fuzzy about the fact that we're going to die. We all know that. Anyone in the world would know that. But when you get to judgment, we're going to die, and then we're going to be judged. Boy, you, that's when you start hearing different thoughts, isn't it? That's when you start hearing uh, uh, different values put upon it, isn't it? And um, these come about by disbelief, studying the wrong books, listening to the wrong people, and being self-deceived. You know, I, I, I had a friend, and he was a good guy, big heart, do anything in the world for you. But he lived very carnally, very sinful. But yet he would say things all the time like, well, God bless you, or, you know, I hope you have a good, wonderful day. You know, I'll be praying for you and this and that. So I just asked him, I said, you know, unfortunately, your life, it, and I'm not talking about little things. I'm talking about just, you know, be with any woman he wanted to be with do anything he wanted to, drink anything he wanted to, go anywhere he wanted to, really absolutely no restraints on him, no blinders or anything. And I said, you know, you appear to be a religious man. You know I am. And he said, yeah. And he said, I admire you for that. And I said, well, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. Let, let me ask you something. You do these things, and you know they're sinful. But yet you go, you know, you're members of certain organizations that are religious and you profess Christianity, you profess God, but yet you live just any way you want to. I don't see that you restrain yourself or tell yourself no on anything. And he said, I don't really have to. And I said, why? And he said, because God loves me. And Jesus paid the price for all of us. And once he paid the price, you don't have to do anything. Now, can you imagine going to the grave with that kind of attitude or that kind of thought? You know where that comes from? It doesn't come from the Bible, does it? Not at all. If you study the Word of God, you'd never come up with that. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. That's something we need to know. That's something we need to know. We need to be aware that we're going to be judged. And we're going to be judged for the things that we've done, whether good or bad. Here's something else to, uh, that we need to know, and that is the gospel. The gospel is something we need to know. And the, why do we need to do it? Well, Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, and you know, this is a well-quoted verse, but I wonder if we really break it down in our mind and see what he's saying there. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why was he not ashamed of the gospel? If you read on, you'll find out why he wasn't ashamed. Uh, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. Uh, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it, in, in what? In the gospel. Because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, the gospel's really a game changer, if you want to know the truth. It seems so simple. Well, God said, believe in the gospel and you'll be saved. Obey the gospel and you'll be saved. That's fine. But what is the gospel? What is that power? What is it we're to believe in? What does it do? And one of the, one of the aspects of the gospel, and a lot of people don't believe this in the world, is that God raised Christ from the dead. And why I say that's a game changer, this is it. What did we already talk about that we absolutely know in our hearts? That we're going to do what? That we're going to die. 
And I hope we understand the other part of that and we're going to be judged. But if you understand that God is going to raise this body to be judged or to live with him or to be condemned, this body is going to be raised. And a lot of people, they can sit in these pews with us, they can talk with us on the street, but they really do not believe in a bodily resurrection because why would you? A man can't do that, and that would be 100% true. You know, we get to thinking about our technology and how smart we are and how innovative and all the things that we can do. What is that to God who created us? We're a mere pot, and he's the potter, and we have that ability to do such great things. Does it surprise you deep in your heart that he can raise this body up? He gave it life to start with, didn't he? Think about it. If you really, and we've got, we've got lawyers, I mean uh, doctors in here, you know that we're really made up of mostly water and a little bit of dirt if you want to really get down to it. And God, look what God did with that. And he's going to raise that back up, this body. Whatever shape it's in, if it was washed out to sea or lays in a mausoleum, it's, it doesn't matter. God's going to raise this body and we're going to stand before him. That's the reason the gospel is so important. It's the power of God into salvation. And to those that believe it, it's life-saving. It's soul-saving. It gives us salvation. Paul talks a little bit about the gospel, and this is important to understand this too. And first, you know, if someone said, where would I read about the gospel? Where would be the short notes on the gospel where I could find out? I would say, well, you can go to 1 Corinthians 15, and those first four verses will kind of uh, explain what the gospel is. Let me pick up in 1 Corinthians 15. I want to pick up on verse 3, and then I'll go back and look at 1 and 2. But let's look at verse 3 and 4. He says, for I delivered you first of all, which I also received. So it was like a baton. He's passing off what he received. He received this message only to give it to you. He didn't make it up. He didn't create it. I received it first, and then I passed it on to you. For I delivered you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to scripture. He said not only did it happen, it was, it was foretold it would happen. It was in Scripture that he would do it, and that's exactly what happened. Paul says, you got what I got. I received it from Christ, and I gave it to you. I, he gave it to me, and I gave it to you. A thing to know, we said about this sermon, that Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose on the third day to live forevermore, all according to the Scriptures. And in verse 1 and 2, if you're there, of, chapter, of the chapter tells us that if we believe and obey, we can stand eternally on this knowledge and be saved. And if you don't, it's all in vain. It leads to nothing. It is for nothing unless you believe and stand on that and obey it. This is the fundamental beginning of Christianity. Wouldn't you say that? I mean, this is just what opens the door. This isn't all there is to Christianity. This is just the, 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 uh, the entry point, is obeying the gospel. You know, we uh, accepting that we sin and need salvation, believing in the Son of God, believing he died for our sins and was buried and rose from the grave. And by faith, if we obey, we can stand on these promises and we'll be eternally saved. Well, this is like learning to read or like these things we talked about. This is like learning to read or learning to drive or a vocation. And uh, this is the beginning. 
But we've got to make application. You know, all those things we talked about earlier, you know, being taught to read. Well, you've got to read to prove that you can. That's the application. And uh, once you take the written test and, and understand how a car works, then you have to drive it. That's the application. Show you can drive it. And once you learn how to do a job, then you have to put it, you have to do the job. And then you have to uh, re, be re-educated to stay abreast on it, stay on, on top of it. And that's true, too. Well, what applications do we have in Christianity? You know, a lot of times we don't seem to ever get past that point, just obeying the gospel, obeying the gospel. Well, that's just the beginning. We need to make the application and apply what God would want us to do to move on and to perfect this thing and be better. Hebrews 6, verse 1 through 2. It says, therefore, leaving discussions of the elementary principles of Christ, all these things we've been talking about, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms, or laying on of hands, or resurrection of the dead, or eternal judgment. You know why it doesn't seem like we can ever get beyond that? Because that's collectively, sometimes when you take a, a big group of people in, there's always those out there that you're aware of that they've not obeyed the gospel. They've not understood these first principles, and so we just keep pounding on that, don't we? And that seems to be where we get in the quagmire. And uh, some people get frustrated with it and say, I want to grow. I want to learn more. I, wanna, I would like to be a, a better tool in the toolbox of God. But we stay on these first principles all the time, and that's where we end up, isn't it? Well, here's the application, 1 Corinthians 1.10, what we just talked about. And I want you to listen. I had, uh, 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 this was the scripture I had read. 1 Corinthians 1.10, now I plead with you, brethren, by the same, uh, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing. This is the application now. Let's don't just read the scripture. This is the application, that we speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Well, if we all learn the same, and we learn the same material, and we by faith accepted it and obeyed it, we ought to speak the same, right? There shouldn't be any divisions amongst us. But there is, isn't it? We don't speak the same thing, and that causes what? Division amongst us, and God's not happy about it. And the church can't grow like that. And I want to look at some of those things. Well, you know, like I said, if we've all completed the, the fundamentals of faith and have done that, and uh, how come we don't speak the same things? Well, we talked about there's division among us. I've noticed this, and you've noticed this. And let's, let's think about it. I'm going to talk about it, and you think about it. Our speech betrays us sometimes. We send out different messages, and this shouldn't be. I'm going to ask a question, and you can make the application to yourself as I do when I think of my family. You know, Nat preached a good sermon this morning because he didn't leave anybody out, did he? You know, I have a daughter, and I have a son, and they have children, and, you know, I want them to do well as parents, and they want to do well. They want to raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But I didn't need that to tell me this, but wasn't it good this morning that he preached that grandparents have a part too, don't they? They have a great influence. He said, you know, his mother and kind of like, they got mad at me, I can live with it. But he didn't like his grandmother upset with it. And when you don't, that's leverage, isn't it? That's power. You can say, you know, they don't want to cry in front of me. They don't want me to hurt their feelings, so that gives me leverage to talk to them. 
and it, you know, it helps to think about that family nucleus, what you can do there. Do we teach our children different than what they hear here? And if you do, you need to think about the harm that that causes. You got a preacher up here, and he's preaching the Word of God. And you got brethren out here that you, we all obeyed the same way. The fundamentals of the gospel, we all obeyed it. And we go home, and our children might ask some questions. And say, I didn't believe half of that. A lot of that, what he said, wasn't so. I personally believe thus and so. Well, you've countermanded that when you do that. You've uh, you, uh, Somebody's credibility just went down. Either yours or the preacher's, but it causes division. And uh, I had a little of that growing up in my life, you know. I'd hear something, i think, well, that's right. And, and I might hear something at home that says, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. And what it does, it makes you do another application. And that's what? Get in the book. Get in the book and read and see what God says about it. You know, mama and dad are not always right. Your grandparents aren't always right, and the kids are never right. Well, did I say that? No, I didn't mean that. No, sometimes we don't get it right, do we? Sometimes we think wrong. And we and it can be a, a, the most innocent thing to my heart or my compassion or my love may lead me to think, well, surely it's not that way. But if God says it's that way, it's that way. And we just have to accept it. And if we'll learn to love his word first, then it'll help on these other things. But we can't send our children, we can't send our spouses, and we can't send each other cross connections. It can't be right here, and then when, as soon as we look away, it's not really not that way. That causes division. Do we agree with denominational teaching when we're not here, and when we're around them, we confirm that that's okay too? And that goes on. That goes on, people. We, have, we speak kind of out of this side of our mouth, but then when we're around our denominational friends and, and they say things, and, and we, may, we may speak favorably to that, and you're not doing them a uh, uh, You're doing them a, 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 a... You're not being just when you do that. You know, we call it speaking with a forked tongue, don't we? You know, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. and uh, So it can be this way. It can be black today, but over here we'll call it white tomorrow, and that's not so. That's not consistent, and that's not what God wants. Thirdly, do we understand that relationships outside of Christ, uh, such as marriage and such as uh, close friendship that we have with the world sometimes, that that's conflict within a family and conflict within and causes division? And here's something that I hope this doesn't apply to you, but it applies to us at times. You know, in, in our everyday working, if we're telling lies and being dishonest, is that okay if no one knows? You know, well, no one's looking around, and, you know, I told that, and it, it helped me get to the next next move, and no one really knows it, so it's okay. Is it? Is it? Let re me remind you as I remind myself about this. God's watching. Luke 18, 17 says he's watching, he's listening to us all. Everything that's done in the dark is going to be brought to light. In the, end, in the end, because what are we going to do? We're going to die and they be what? Judged. And in the end, it's all going to be brought to light, every bit of it. And uh, we need to remember that in our day-to-day -day lives, that everything is going to be brought to life one day. What about continuing education? Well, we do that with our jobs. We've talked about it. Uh, 
You know, I know uh, everybody, electricians, plumbers, uh, um, doctors, lawyers, everybody has to have continuing education. What about in the church? What about in the most important thing on earth? What do we, do, do, are we continually educating ourselves to, uh, because a lot of people say, well, I, I believe in God, I obeyed the gospel. Well, that's, that was the beginning. What have you done since then? We all want to be set free of the guilt of sin. We want to have assurances that we're saved in the hope of heaven. We want to be loved by God. How do we do this? Well, the application, one application is found in John 8, 31 and 32. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Live in this world and the truth will set you free if you know it. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And you show your love to God and his love for you by knowing and keeping his word. How do I, I want to be loved by God so much. How do I do that? Keep his commandments. Pure and simple. You know, if, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. But we have a little problem with that sometimes, don't we? We don't have a problem necessarily knowing his commandments. Those of us that study, but we do have a problem keeping them. James reminds us in James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, because that's deceiving you. That's deceiving yourselves, he says. Don't just know it, but do it. This is pleasing to God, otherwise we fool ourselves into a false hope. Matthew 10.32 says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. Let me, let me say something. That's something that we all have done. You know, Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10 talk about with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. We express that we believe that Jesus is the Lord. He's the Son of God. And this Matthew 10, 32 verse is, is likened to that. It says, if you confess my name before men, I confess your name before my Father that's in heaven. If you read on down, you know what it says too. If you don't confess my name before men, he, I won't confess him either before my father. So like the confession that we make to salvation and that we believe that Jesus is the son of God, this is a daily confession we make here. This is every day. And I've heard people, Christian people, that, that, that are mature. Uh, they're age-wise. Age-wise they're mature, maybe not spiritually. But they're like, mm, I just don't feel comfortable talking about God's word with anybody. What if I say something wrong? Or what if I don't do this? Or, or It's just uncomfortable. You know, religion is controversial. And so, you know, I don't like to get it. You're commanded to. And I'm going to tell you why in a minute with Scripture. But you're, listen to me. Everybody in here that's a Christian, you're commanded to. To defend what you believe in. And to and it's not it's not I, when I say the word defend that maybe that comes across wrong. Let me let me rephrase that. It's your great joy and pleasure to teach the world or anyone that would ask you about Jesus, and it's a commandment too to do so. So keep it, make it personal, make this personal with yourself. You have an obligation to God above to talk to fellow human beings about Him. And there's no way around that. And it is what a pleasure it is. And if you've never done it, you'll be surprised how receptive people are about it. 
how people want to talk about it. And uh, God loves it too. God likes you. You know, the angel told Philip to join himself with the chariot in Acts 8. There's an angel of God. Could he have not talked to the unit about the gospel? But angels don't do that. Men are sent to talk to other men. Steel sharpens steel, doesn't it? And it's our God-given responsibility and obligation to talk to people about God. You know, in Acts 19, verse 1 through 5, you have a wonderful example. <coughs> Excuse me. A wonderful example of that. Paul's coming through Ephesus, and he's traveling overland, and he runs into a group of men, and they had uh, never heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were behind the times, we might say. They only knew of the gospel or the, uh, the baptism of John the Baptist. He didn't condemn them. He didn't shame them. He didn't ridicule them. He didn't make fun of them. He taught them Jesus, and he, and he baptized every one of them. And it had a wonderful result. If you've never tried that, you talk to people. It has wonderful, result, uh, wonderful results. And never forget this. God's in the mix, too. God's with us. He helps us. He has, this, he has his word there for us to understand. Now then, this is one of the reasons that it's our obligation. This is one of those things we need to know. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Listen to that. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, Aren't that, isn't that complimentary to, toward us? That you may proclaim the promises, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How are we this? By proclaiming what he's done. That's how we do this. Have you, you know, in the, in the uh, old law, you had priests, Levitical priests, and they, they, they did the things of God. They were the priesthood. And it was only one tribe, the Levitical tribe, that, that, that could do that that we're given that to do. We're all given to do that. We're his holy priest. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people. And what kind of priest wouldn't be the one that would tell anybody about God? What kind of priest would he be? You know, you're a priest of God. Yes. Well, tell me about God. I don't feel comfortable doing it. That wouldn't make much sense, would it? We need to continue our education, don't we? Learn more, study more of God's Word. 2 Timothy 2.15, we quote this often too, but we ought to pay more attention to it. Apply it to our lives. Uh, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We don't want to be ashamed, do we? On any level, we don't want to be ashamed, do we? We, don't, we want to be approved, don't we? In this life and the life to come. We're a royal priesthood, his own special people, a holy nation, and we need to know that. Well, I hope we know these things. What a wonderful thing to be in the kingdom of God. I want to ask you, our time is about gone, and I want to ask you, if, if you're here tonight, I don't know everyone in here uh, completely. There may be some people, there may be someone here tonight that's not a Christian. I want you to know I checked that water a while ago. It's nice and warm, and uh, that's nice. Uh, this time of year, it's, it's warm, and uh, you can have your sins washed away in that, in that baptistry. And we're called to, to uh, repent of our sins. That's another equation that's left out a lot of times when people are talking about religion. How can you, how can you, uh, how can you uh, 
be born anew unless you die to the old man. We've got to die to that man of sin. And that's, uh, that, that's not easy done, is it? That's something that keeps rearing its head up, even after we're baptized a lot of times, especially young people. I was baptized as a young uh, teenager, and I wished I could say that. And I never looked back, but I did. I had problems. I struggled, just like all of us do, if we're honest. But we're called to repent of our sins, to change our lives, come up out of that water and be a different person. Not only were we to repent, but we are to confess, like we said. We ought to be proud to stand up here and say, I believe that Jesus is the Lord, Lord of all, that he's the Son of God, and that he died for our sins and be baptized. Well, we know those scriptures, Luke 3, 13, repent, uh, confess, Romans 10, 9, and 10, be baptized for the remission, the forgiveness of our sins, Acts 2, 38. I just want you to know that um, there's a lot more to being a Christian than just obeying the gospel. We ought to, you know, we ought to just use the, the things that we see all every day around us, uh, how that we have to be better in our jobs, if we, don't, uh, if we don't continue with our education, that we will be surpassed by those that will. And I want you to know something, too. I mean, you can tell just by talking to me and, and uh, visiting with me, I'm no smart man at all. I have a limited education. Um, I'm nobody special at all. Matter of fact, I would put anybody in this room on a higher level than me in a lot of different ways. But I'm going to tell you what, what I've been able to do, and I'm going to continue to do it. And that is I can learn the Word of God. You can learn it. It's not hard. Everybody in this way, if you can read and write, and I had a teacher to whip you if you couldn't. And I'm going to tell you something. If you can read and write, and everybody in here can, you can learn God's Word, and it's easy. And I'm going to tell you another thing about God's Word. It's like nothing. I love to read, but it's like no book I've ever read in my life. I go at home, and I read this history book on this or this book on this of some interest. I can read it a year later, and there's no more light shed upon it. I read it, and that's what it says. I can read it every day for 10 years, and it still just basically says what it says. It's not awe-inspiring. It's not changing. This book is not that way. And you people that know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. This book is alive. It's not like any book you've ever read in your life. It's alive, and, it, and, and the meaning only gets deeper and deeper and deeper. It's not like a cookbook. You put in this, you put in that, you always get the same thing. This, this book is amazing to me. The more you read it, and you can read it, and, and there's times in your life when you have sorrow, and you know what I'm talking about. You have sorrow in your life, or your heart's broken, or you're grieving, and you can read things that you've read a hundred times, and it'll never mean what it meant that day to you. It's, this book is amazing. You know why? It's inspired of God. It's God-breathed. And I encourage everyone, please, let's grow in the faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's found right here, and this will set you free. And those are things we need to know. Tonight, if you're subject to the gospel, we're here for you. We're here to help you. We can pray for you if you can obey the gospel. You can put on Christ in baptism. If we can help you in any way, come as together we stand and sing.